All right, well, this was an exciting week, definitely. I thought, uh, really, our sermon series called Get Outside had gone viral, actually, because there are millions and millions of people that got outside. But wait a minute, it wasn't because of our sermon series, unfortunately. It was because of the solar eclipse that they were getting outside. And we have so many great pictures. Isn't it great that we have Facebook? Can we start seeing some of those shots? People from far east as Clemson, South Carolina. I had a family member in Clemson, South Carolina watching that eclipse. And Minnesota. Isn't that a beautiful shot there? And of course, the family of faith here at Chapel Hill was together celebrating the solar eclipse. Aren't they beautiful? Yeah, we have some celebrities there in our midst. And of course, Olive Rose with her welding helmet on. And of course, the past, some of the pastoral staff modeling these wonderful glasses. And these glasses, of course, if I leave them on, I'm really going to get lost here. Because I can't see a thing through these glasses. But you know, they tie right into our sermon today on baptism. Because when we're baptized... God sees us through a different set of glasses. He sees us through a different lens. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here this morning as we get into our story a little bit. Our scripture passage comes from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. It involves a disciple named Philip and a man from Ethiopia. Hear the word of the Lord. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip... Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and he asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, Well, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about somebody else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this enthusiastic passage on baptism and about receiving you. And I pray today, Lord, that as we hear this story unfold, Lord, that you would renew in us 
the amazing transformation that happens in the heavenlies through baptism. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To set the stage a little bit for you, Philip is one of the thousands of believers who fled Jerusalem after the first wave of persecution. If you recall, some of you in Acts chapter 7, uh, Stephen was the first martyr of the church. He was stoned at the hands of the Pharisees. They were very angry with Stephen as he preached, preached an amazing sermon. They stoned him and it unleashed a fury on the church. Our story in Acts chapter 8 picks up with the disciples being scattered all over the area. And it begins with the, the ministry of Philip. Philip was one of seven disciples who were chosen by the apostles back in Acts chapter 6 to help with the distribution of food to the Greek widows. They weren't getting their fair share. And so the apostles who were having to manage this quickly growing church appointed these seven men to help with this administrative ministry. Many, many disciples were scattered all over and Philip went down to Samaria. Maybe some of you were here a number of weeks ago when Rachel, Rachel talked at length about the Samaritans. They were despised by the Jews, but they were greatly loved by God. And it says in Acts chapter 8 that Philip went down to the Samaritans and when he preached, the power of God was on him. And many of the Samaritans were saved. Many of them were set free from demons. Many of them were healed. Paralytics were healed. Uh, paralyzed people were healed in Jesus' name. And then a little bit later in Acts chapter 8, we pick up in the story that, that we're reading this morning. Philip is on the road and he hears the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit, the angel of the Lord says to Philip, Philip, I want you to walk south on the road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. And so Philip quickly, very promptly, listened to the Spirit and he obeyed him. And he soon met an Ethiopian along the road. Now, I want to stop here for just a moment, moment and make an observation about Philip. Philip is available and he's obedient to the Lord's prompting. You know, the Lord's disciples, the Lord wants us as his followers to be available to him and be quick to respond when he speaks into our lives. Living, we live our normal everyday life, doing our normal everyday things, but the Lord would occasionally like to speak to us and say, hey, go and do this. Maybe give a call to that, that person that you, I've been putting on your heart or write a letter to such and such a person or go see your next door neighbor and kind of build that friendship. You know, I, the Lord prompts us over and over again in our lives and Philip is wonderful because he's available and he's obedient to the Spirit's prompting. There's no more powerful prayer than we can pray in the morning when we get up and we say to the Lord, Lord, use me. Because if we pray that prayer in earnest, God will, in fact, open up an opportunity for us, probably that day where he wants to use us in one way, shape, or form in another person's life. This afternoon, I have the privilege of baptizing a family. They're sitting in the front row here. They're often in the front row, as a matter of fact, Ashley and Marcus Wright and their three daughters, Crystal and Kiara and Summer. And uh, I, I met Ashley uh, a number of months ago when I went to have my oil changed at Jiffy Lube. And uh, I got out of the car and I went into the little cubicle there at, at Jiffy Lube. And, and uh, Ashley was behind the counter and she looked at me and she said, you're one of my pastors. 
And so I do what I often do when I see some of you down in the harbor and you smile at me and I smile back and I, I think, oh my gosh, please remind me of their name. And we chat sometimes and we have interaction and it's just wonderful. And that's what Ashley and I did. In fact, Ashley was really excited about telling me some of her story. And I was, I was just amazed that, that she was uh, so excited about telling me how long she and Marcus had been coming to Chapel Hill and the girls and, and uh, how, how much they enjoyed coming to church here and that she and Marcus were going to get married soon. And her story kind of went on and on. And pretty soon I, I kind of wondered if I was going to get my oil changed or not. But then I, then I thought, well, wait a minute. I think the Lord is really trying to speak to me here. I need to stop and sort of really pay attention to what Ashley's saying here. And so I just listened and, and uh, was very excited to just hear some of what Ashley was sharing. Now, back to our story with Philip. On the road, Philip met an Ethiopian eunuch who was sitting up in the carriage. And we're not really sure. Scholars are, are not in agreement whether or not this is really an actual eunuch. Um, because that word in Greek actually also refers to a trusted worker in a royal court. So this person uh, was a person who was in charge of the treasury in Ethiopia. He might have been kind of a finance minister. He was certainly a high official. He was of, of high standing and he was wealthy. He was in a carriage. And uh, so the spirit of the Lord came upon Philip and he said to Philip, I want you to go up to the carriage. And so Philip, in his enthusiasm, ran up to the carriage. And he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. He was reading from chapter 53 in the book of Isaiah. And that, of course, is the the messianic passage about Jesus, the suffering servant, the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. And he didn't understand it. And Philip was listening to him and he said, "Do do you understand what you're reading? And the the Ethiopian said, well, how can I understand it unless somebody explains it to me? And so he invited Philip to come up into his carriage and help explain that to him. And this story is a marvelous story because it really speaks to us about our need as Jesus' followers to be attentive, not only to what the Spirit is doing, but what people are saying as we interact with them. Philip asks, asks a very good, straightforward question. Do you understand what you're reading? And he didn't have a clue what it meant. And so the man invited him up into his carriage and he shared with him about Jesus. Asking questions and listening are really a very essential part of sharing our faith. We often think that it's the speaking part that makes all the difference. But quite honestly, asking good questions and listening to people often evokes the opportunity to be able to share something about what we believe. No listening, no questions. Often there's no communication really going on. Well, going back a little bit to the story with Marcus and Ashley, when, when uh, there, there was, a, after several months, after Ashley uh, had changed the oil at Lif- Jiffy Lube, um, uh, there was a request that came in across the pastor's desk. And it was an invitation. Uh, an invite for one of the pastors to marry them. And I saw this and I thought, no, wait a minute, I think this has my, my name on it uh, because I met Ashley several months ago. And so I was very excited to do their wedding. And so as part of the whole red- wedding process, um, they go through premarital counseling and they meet with pastors several times. As part of that whole process, Ashley and Marcus came in 
and I ask them questions about their life, some of their background, uh, you know, where they're from, and all these kind of things. And I soon realized, as I was talking to them, that both of them really had come from unchurched backgrounds, that they didn't, didn't have a lot of folks in church, that, that folks in their family that went to church. And so as, I, as we were talking, I really wasn't quite sure if they were believers at that point. They were very enthusiastic about the church and what was going on here. But I felt prompted in my own spirit to just ask them, have you guys ever received Jesus into your heart? I remember asking that question. And they, you know, with really uh, bright faces said, no. <laughs> and so I looked at them and the, the, the look on their face was not like, no, I'm not interested. But no, I've just never had that opportunity before. And so I thought to myself, well, maybe this, is, maybe this is the time. So I said, would you like to receive Jesus into your heart? And they said, yes. And I thought, that's wonderful. And so we talked a little bit about what it meant to receive Jesus into your heart as, as Savior and Lord. And we prayed together that Jesus would, in fact, come into their heart. And, you know, as pastors, that's one of the greatest moments in our lives in ministry. And as believers, you need to know that's one of your one most a highlight of life together in Jesus because that decision to make Je- to invite Jesus into your heart is the most important decision that a person is ever going to make in their lives this reminded me again that in church we can't just assume that because people are coming to church that they've ever really taken that opportunity to invite Jesus into their heart you might be coming to church and maybe you meet somebody new and you might ask them well how long have you known the lord And that's not an intrusive question. That's not a nosy question. That really is a question that is a love question. Because you want everyone to know the Lord. The Lord wants to be in relationship with everyone. It's not about nosiness. It's about your love for them. Now when Philip and the Ethiopian had traveled on a certain distance, we don't know how far, but at some point the Ethiopian looks out and they've been traveling in the desert for all of these miles and hours and finally they come to a little oasis and he says, there's water, baptize me. And so he commands the the charioteer to to stop the, the carriage and they get out and they get down in the water and Philip baptizes him and as the the, the Ethiopian is coming out of the water. The Spirit of God transport Philip to another location. But it says in our story here this morning, it says that the eunuch got out and he went on his way rejoicing. And I think that's really, really significant. Because I think joy, if you read the book of Acts and you read Luke, joy is one of those uh, one, of those, one of those emotions, in fact, it's not just an emotion, it's a fruit of the Spirit that, that seems to come alive in us when we, full, when, we, when we receive the Lord and are full of His Spirit. Baptism is so important. It's one of two sacraments in the Presbyterian Church. It symbolizes that Christ dwells in your heart, that you're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. And so Pastor Mark was already talking about it with the kids. Scripture talks about how when we, are, when we go down into the water of baptism, it's like dying with Christ. And when we come out of the water, it's like being raised with him. When I was with the family here this week, 
uh, Kiara, I think it was, asked me, you know, how, how long am I under the water? And I said, mm, about 45 seconds. And her eyes got real big as saucers, you know. No, you won't be under 45 seconds. Unless there's a lot of sin there that needs to be washed off. So, just kidding. Just kidding. But that going down into the water, Jesus is cleansing you of your sin. And it's representative of dying with Christ. You come out of the water and it's being... Raised, being raised with Christ, being resurrected with him. Romans 6 says we're buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Now, of course, we also believe in infant baptism and we baptize babies all the time because when we baptize babies... We bring them into the covenant family of God. We bring them into this family. And we're saying to mom and dad, hey, mom and dad, we are with you. As you raise them in the Lord, we are going to come alongside you and do everything that we can to teach them about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because we all are trusting that at the Lord's designated time in their life, they're going to make their own personal profession of faith. And so we bring children through baptism into the family of faith, and that's so important. But for adults, when they receive Christ, maybe a little bit later in life, it's as though God sees us through a new set of glasses. We're no longer what Ephesians 2 says. We're no longer vessels of wrath. We're vessels of his grace, of his mercy. And we have a new name, and we have a new identity in Christ. What are those new names and identity? John 1, 14 calls you a child of God. John 15, 15, Jesus says you're his friend. Colossians 3, 12, God calls you holy and dearly loved. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, God says that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're a place where the Spirit of God dwells. Psalm 139, 14 says that you are fearfully and you're wonderfully made. Ephesians 2.10, God says that you are a masterpiece. You're his workmanship. You're a, a, a piece of art that's been uniquely crafted for his purposes in the world. Acts 1.8 calls you his messenger. Romans 5.1 says that you're justified. Romans 8.1, God says that you're redeemed and not condemned. John 3.16 says that you have everlasting life. And John 8.36 says that you are free, free indeed. Your name in Christ is not the name that the world calls you. It's not the name that you call yourself or think of yourself when you look in the mirror. Your name, your new identity in Jesus, what a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name we have as a child of God. It's not the name that you necessarily see yourself. It's the names that I just read to you from Scripture. Baptism is so important. If Jesus lives in you, you are a new creation in Christ. If you've not been baptized, but you believe in Jesus, you're missing out, and the family of God is missing out with you. Do you know why? Because we get to rejoice with you that you're, you're, you're not the person that you were, were. You're not the old creation. You're a new creation in Christ. And so we celebrate that together. That's why it's so exciting 
to have, to, to have the harbor baptisms. And I hope this afternoon that we will literally have the green belt at Eden Park lined with people. That we would all be celebrating this together. I'll save that here in just a moment. I believe that the most demonstrable uh, manifestation of the new identity that you have in Christ is joy. If we read Acts chapter 8, it says that Philip took the eunuch down into the water, he came out. Philip was transported. He was gone. He was just God's vessel for that moment. But it says that the eunuch went on rejoicing. That is the, 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 the dominant, if you read Luke and Acts, that really is the dom- dominant manifestation of the presence of Christ's identity in new believers. And so this morning, I want to ask you, if that's not your experience in Christ, if in your heart you believe in Jesus, but you have some things that have plagued you, you have some things that have followed you in your life, Names that are not your true name. Anger, bitterness, unworthiness, inadequacy, anxiety, impure, unclean, guilty. If these names have walked with you for many years as a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to do two things. The first one is, I want to invite you when we take our offering here today, here in just a few moments, that your offering to the Lord would be, Lord, I want to offer myself completely to you. I want, I want to invite you to come down in front. You might just want to kneel on your own. You might want to have somebody pray for you. And ask the Lord to remove those old names because they're old name, names and they're truly not indicative of who you are in Christ. And I want to also be so bold this morning, and I want you, I'm asking for a spirit of courage here this morning. There may be some of you here who have actually never received Jesus Christ into your heart and acknowledge that with another person. And I want to invite you down this morning, when we take our offering, to come down. And I'll ask the pastors and the elders and the prayer team to come up and pray with them. Just ask them to say a prayer for you together. It's so important for you to acknowledge that, that transformation that's gone on in your life. So when we take an offering here this morning, maybe your offering is to come down in front and say, Lord, release me from this thing that has followed me many days in my walk with you. And I want to I invite you to do something else. I said I had two things. One is you can come down front, but the second thing is something else. And I've witnessed this in my own life and I've witnessed this through many, many people here in the church. I want to invite you to consider joining us this fall in something called a step study. Those of you that have ever been part of Celebrate Recovery or been in a step study, you know what it is. It's a, it's a gender-specific group that works through the 12 steps that are based on the Beatitudes. And we, it's, a, it's a deeper work of sanctification and transformation in your life where you maybe need to go down and be, uh, reflect upon some of those things in your life that have just had a hold on you for many, many years, even though you're a follower of Jesus. If, that's, if, that's, if that kind of identifies you a little bit, I want to invite you on that Connect card that's in your bulletin. I want, you, I want to invite you to just write on that card 
step study in your name and your phone number, your email. And we'll be in contact with you because we're starting up new groups here in the fall. And that process I've watched in people's lives. I've been through probably five step studies of my own. That process will free you of some things in Christ that keep you from fully experiencing the joy in Jesus that he desires for you. So if that's, if that's maybe you a little bit, I want to I invite you and challenge you to do that. At this time, the ushers are going to come forward and take our tithes and offerings. But your offering this morning may be some work with the Lord. I want to invite you, if this is your time to come forward, to talk to the Lord about some things, to do that. Feel free to do that. And there'll be some people up front here uh, who will pray with you. Or you may just want time on your own, just, just kneeling down. So uh, don't be shy. Don't be afraid. This is our time to, to give to the Lord as he's moving on our heart. All right, let's pray for the offering. Father in heaven, we thank you for the powerful the work that you have done for us through Christ. And for the representation that, that baptism is. That the old is gone, the new has come. We're new creatures in Christ. We have a new name And Lord, we know that sometimes we struggle with things that are from the old man. And we want to get rid of those things so badly. You want us to be free. You said that we're free indeed. Lord, we pray that you would receive the offering today, our finances, our hearts that are poured out to you. We pray, Lord, that you would receive this offering, whatever it is today, in the name of Jesus, and that you would bless it. In his name we pray, amen. I want to tell you a little story here. When I was 16, I received Christ in my life. And when I was 18, I was baptized at Community Presbyterian Church in Danville, which is a sister church here of this church. It's an EPC church. And uh, when I was baptized, I didn't really think a whole lot about this at that particular time, but I didn't actually have a biological member of my family there present during that baptism. And when Jesus says that we come into his kingdom, he says, you receive, you have mothers and fathers and you have sisters and brothers like you'll never believe. And so the importance of your presence at the baptism is this, that sometimes people are being baptized. They may not have the support of their family in their spiritual life and growth. You become their mothers and fathers and their sisters and brothers in Christ. And your presence there speaks to them about your love for them, your care for them, your willingness in whatever simple way possible, whether it's a good job, I, you know, an introduction of yourself saying, hey, I'm glad that you're part of the family of God here at Chapel Hill. Anything that you do that touches people and walks to walk alongside them will encourage them in their walk with Christ when they may not receive that from other parts of their life, of their family. So that's why it's really important that you're, that you're there. And for some of you that haven't been baptized yet, I really want to encourage you to come on down, even if you haven't done the paperwork. The elders will be there. They'll talk to you. And consider being baptized. 
Because this is a great time of celebration for the family of God to say, we acknowledge, brother or sister, that the Lord has done a new work in your life and you have a new name and a new identity in Christ. So come down and be with us. We're eating at 1230. We're baptizing at 1.30. It'll be a great event. Let's raise our hands here this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his perfect peace both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's disciples said, Amen. Amen.